This is Santia Deck, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. This is Hugh Douglas from 9290 Game, and you listen to MTMV Sports. Welcome back, everybody, to the episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is episode number 103, dedicated to the New York Giants, because on June 15th, 1887, they beat the Philadelphia Phillies 29 to 1. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading to the episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we talk a little bit about the meeting NBA players had Friday night about resuming the season. ESPN put on another phenomenal 30 for 30, and this one took me all the way back to my childhood, there's a Manning out there that we should all keep our eyes on. But first, there's a reu- reunion going on right now in Southern California, and it's on the campus of USC. Because USC no longer is going to disassociate themselves with Reggie Bush and also Mr. O.J. Mayo. Let's go back in our minds to the mid-2000s. There was a guy by the name of Reggie Bush in the backfield. Him and Matt Leinart ran college football. Literally, ran college football. You get those two cats in the backfield, you can't forget Lindell White because Reggie Bush and Lindell White put together a phenomenal duo. And those guys are just running college football. Reggie Bush, the best college football player I have ever seen in my lifetime. Remember, I'm in my early 30s. There were other guys out there that were great, but Reggie Bush is still is still the best one I have ever seen. A couple years after Reggie Bush left, there's a guy by the name of O.J. Mayo, one of the top high school basketball recruits in the country in the class of 2007. Got to USC, went 21-12, and 12, and now we all know USC is not normally a basketball program, but O.J. Mayo lifted the program to do a little bit better things than what they normally do. While Reggie Bush was at USC, there was some guy out there that wanted to give him some money. There was a guy out there that wanted to give him some gifts. There was a guy out there that wanted to help his family out to the tune of giving his parents a rent-free home in San Diego and he also gave his parents $10,000 to furnish said home and hey whoever this cat is hey tell him to come find Jay because Jay got some bills to pay that $10,000 can definitely be utilized in the right way Reggie Bush Apparently got a free limo to go to the Heisman. Apparently got a free suit for the for the Heisman ceremony. Apparently got three hundred thousand dollars allotted, given to him, but in the in, in the fashion of money, clothes, and whatever it may be, travel expenses. It didn't matter. OJ Mayo, some cat got a hold of him, gave him some money, gave him some clothes, gave him a flat screen TV. You say, Jay, flat screen TV. Remember, this is mid two thousands. If you get a flat screen TV, you really doing something so they got these benefits they got these gifts then the ncaa started an investigation you know the ncaa they're going to start investigating stuff when they find something fishy going on or when they think something fishy going on if they get a tip if they get a clue that you're doing something illegal the ncaa is going to hop all over it and that's exactly what they did they hopped all over it in in 2010 june 10th of 2010 the ncaa gave a lifetime ban 
to the two players and the school and said, hey, due to what's happened, you two, you, you three parties, the players can't be associated with the school any longer. And at that time, like I said, it was a lifetime ban. Well, in 2017, it kind of changed the reins and changed the wording of said rule and said, hey, after a 10-year period, the school is responsible for policing said rule. Well, new president, Carol Folt, new AD, Mike Vaughn, on the first day that they were eligible, they let Reggie Bush and OJ Mayo up out of figuratively jail. They let them up out of jail, you know, not literally jail, but hey, Reggie Bush literally wanted to be associated as a Trojan. Imagine this. You do great things in college because of something that happened to you. Someone gave you gifts. All of a sudden, your Heisman taken away. Your BCS National Championship stripped from the school. Two wins from the 04 season, all of the wins in the 05 season taken away. Oh, the basketball program. They went 21 and 12. OJ Mayo's one year at the school. What happened to them? All 21 wins take it away. You know what I don't understand about the NCAA? Rick Pitino's still out there and he's a known cheater. There are known cheaters right now that are out there, Sean Miller, that are still out there coaching and they are known for doing things illegally. You know what else I don't understand? Nobody once ever said OJ Simpson can't be associated with USC. Yeah, what he did was not while he was a Trojan, but we all know what that man allegedly, allegedly did. So here we go back to Reggie Bush and OJ Mayo. They're up out the, they're back in the paint, not up out the paint. They're back in the paint. They're back there and they're back to being a USC Trojan and Reggie Bush. Of course, he got the headlines. This is a great moment for both of these cats, both of these athletes. They did great things in college. Reggie Bush was one of the best college athletes that many people have ever seen in their lifetime. And you take that away from him, man, that, that's crazy. That, that's like a part of him is gone. You know what else is going to, this is going to help? USC recruiting. Because USC has not been the same since this time period. You can even go back to uh, towards the end or the end of the first decade to 2000. And you see, USC football was on the downslide, on the down part of where they currently are. They're going away from their winning ways. This can help recruiting. This can help coaching. This can help Reggie Bush be a focal point and a spokesman for USC football. Reggie Bush... OJ Mayo, US, USC can be associated together once again and college sports fans everywhere are rejoicing because everything feels right. Let's go ahead and take a trip to Orlando, Florida because there are a lot of players that are speaking up about going to Orlando in this Orlando bubble and some don't think they're going to do it. About a week and a half ago, Everything was looking good, really, really good for the NBA. They finally got an agreement about what we would see when the NBA returns in July. At the end of July, we found the site where they would go, Orlando, wide ESPN, wide world of sports. We saw, we got to realize what uh, teams would be there, what the playoff format would be, what teams outside of the playoff bracket would be there. And everyone was excited. Why? Because finally we knew when the NBA would be coming back. Now it is two months away. It was originally July 31st. Now the date that I have seen most recently is July 30th. Oh yeah. They also changed the game, the date of game seven. It was supposed to be 
the Monday, the same day as Monday Night Football, and then they moved it, to, moved it to a Tuesday so they could have their own day. We all know Monday Night Football, NBA. You know, it's Game Seven. A lot of people out there would still be sucked to their football and saying, "Forget you, NBA. You were away for too long. The NFL never left me." And so everyone's excited. The fans are, the media, the players, the I think players are excited. I thought they were. But all of a sudden, Friday night, there was a meeting, a players meeting between about 80 to 100. I've heard maybe 150 players where they're on a Zoom call discussing what's to come. Now, prior to the meeting, there was already rumblings about players that were a little unhappy with the situation. They were a little uneasy with what's going on with the Orlando bubble and also what's going on in our country regarding racism and injustice and things of that nature. And so one of the players that spoke up in this meeting on Friday was none other than Kyrie Irving. And we all have our preconceived ideas about any time we hear Kyrie talk and say, hey, Kyrie, um, you're talking, um, what you're saying makes no sense, um, just turn that dial all the way down. But no, this time, if you heard what Kyrie said, he made some valid points. Now, once again, you may be thinking, why in the world is Kyrie talking? Kyrie was actually voted amongst his peers to be one of the six vice presidents of the NBA Players Association. The leadership goes like this for the current, the currently constructed leadership uh, uh, tier goes like this. Executive, Executive Director Michelle Roberts, the president is Chris Paul, and the six vice presidents are, and yes, when I was reading this a few months ago, I was like, why are there six vice presidents? But that's just the way the cookie crumble. Those vice presidents are Andre Iguodala, Bismack Biombo, Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, CJ McCollum, and Kyrie Irving. And when Kyrie was speaking in this meeting, he made a lot of sense. Well, there were times that he made a lot of sense. Sometimes he did not make a lot of sense. But you know Kyrie, sometimes he's on the right side of things. Sometimes his idea, the flat earth, are off the wall. I stumbled upon this quote. I'm not going to tell you what I think. I'm going to just say it out loud for you, for you to form your own opinion about something that came out of Kyrie's mouth during this conference call. Quote, I don't support going into Orlando. I'm not with the systematic racism and the BS. Something smells a little fishy. Whether we want to admit it or not, we are targeted as black men every day we wake up, end quote. And what I think Kyrie Irving is talking about specifically is not the Orlando bubble. He, well, part of it is. Mainly not, but part of it is. He's looking at the Orlando bubble, which, let me remind you, was put into place and was starting to get formulated two months ago. Two months ago, if you go back and remember in your mind, there was a time period that the place that we would see basketball at some point was either going to be Las Vegas or Orlando. Well, Vegas was a little bit different. Orlando, they already had the ESPN Wide World of Sports, basically a complex made for this type of setting. So the NBA said, hey, let's go to Orlando. The rest is history. But once again, it was a two-month-old idea. And now with it being June the 15th, and you know by the time the NBA comes back, there will be kids in school. So as Kyrie Irving is thinking and saying, hey, um, this Orlando bubble, does it make sense? Let's take away the social injustice and the protest and the fight against systematic racism and just racism in general here in our country. Let's take that away from the argument. Is going to Orlando the right thing to do? 
as a National Basketball Association player, is it proper for me to go to Orlando to resume this season when I can look outside, when I can look on my phone because when I'm in Orlando, I can't even go to the park right there and ride rides. I can't take my family anywhere. My family can't even come there with me until after the first round. So there's eight regular season games. There's a play-in style. There's a play-in uh, tournament or play-in style of games or whatever for the eighth seed. And then you had the first round of the tournament. After the first round, that's the time period that these players and their families can come and join them. But once again, once you come, you can't leave. Does it make sense to you? Remember, by that time period, there's a school system by me, around me, that is going to start going back to school in-person sessions on July 30th. The health officials that they associate themselves with, that they, that they consult with, they said, yes, you guys have the proper means to go back to school and have in-person classes. That starts on July 30th. Let me say that again in case you didn't get it. On July 30th. You know what else starts on July 30th? The NBA resumes its season in Orlando. And once the players get there, they can't leave. Now, there were other players that spoke up. And also, Mike Breen, the voice of the NBA, the man that has called every NBA final since, I believe, what, mid-2000s, last 10 years at least, 10 to 15 years possibly, a little bit bit longer than I thought. But he's like, if the players are in the situation – I have no problem going down to Orlando and being in this bubble to basically experience what the players are doing. It's going to help me be a better broadcaster, help me to broadcast the games in a better way, a better, concise, clear way, because I am doing the same thing the players are. So, okay, the Orlando bubble, cool. Take the whole argument about what's going on right now in our communities in Atlanta right now. Please, please, please get it together. I understand you're mad. I understand you're frustrated. I understand you're hurt. But this is not the way to solve the problem. But okay, back to the bubble. You go to July 30th. Eh, Okay, cool. But the bubble idea makes no sense. The bubble idea makes absolutely no sense. And yes, I am excited as anybody else to get basketball back. But if you mean to tell me the best way for these players to go and get this thing done, yes, I understand the safety precautions. Yes, I understand everything going on. But you're going to tell me they can go to Orlando and once they get there, they can't leave? That's not that's not a good idea at all. We have seen what happens to our country when people are locked up in their houses. People are losing jobs. People are losing money. 40, 40 plus million people have filed for unemployment. And all of a sudden, you're going to say, hey, well, we saw how it was a bad situation for the average human. But y'all athletes, y'all ain't human. Y'all are athletes. We're going to put you inside of this bubble in Orlando. And, uh, well, you can't do nothing. You can't do anything. Yeah, um, bad idea. Mentally, as I think about it, it's a bad idea. What Did I like being stuck inside of my home? No, actually, like I told you before, I was working. During said quarantine, people were at home, not working, people working from home. I actually got a new job during this time period of COVID-19 madness. And I went from selling cars to working at a bank. And you know what? Everything was fine. Everything was fine. The bank setting was fine. Selling cars was fine. People still came out to sell cars. We're still busy at at the bank. And the rest is history. So I don't like the Orlando Orlando bubble because by that time, a lot of people in this country... Will be back to work. A lot of kids will be back at school. NBA, yes, it wasn't a good idea or possibly a good idea back then, but y'all waited way too long to come back, and all of a sudden, 
This is what happens. Now, when Kyrie Irving and the other players are talking about what's going on socially in our country, and Kyrie Irving made a comment and said, hey, I'm willing to risk it all. I'm willing to risk it all to do what's right, to do what's, do what's needed to help being uh, a human and to help stop systematic racism and racism here in our country. I applaud you. I applaud you. Because a lot of people out there would not say the same thing. A lot of people out there would say, Kyrie Irving, what are you talking about? Risk it all. Do you know what that means? And I'm one of those people that says risk it all. Do you know what that means? But the words coming out of your mouth, that's the first step. Now, Kyrie, I will challenge you. Put some action to it. You know how it was when you were playing the Warriors game seven and then you hit that shot that Kobe talked to you about. Then afterwards you call Kobe. It worked. It worked. It worked. Hey, hey, Kyrie, you have enough ammunition. This has been going on long enough in our country. You have seen numerous people, numerous black men, black women as well. They're willing to risk it all to end this injustice here in our, here in our country. I almost said city, but it's all around the country. Hey, Kyrie, use their example. Go do it. Use their example. Go do it. But Kyrie, put your money, put your actions where your mouth is. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. And you know what? There's going to be a lot of more players that'll do the same thing. Yes, sports are important. But one reason why I want sports to come back is because there are jobs there linked to sports. Some say I want sports to come back only for the entertainment value. And that's great. I love entertainment. This podcast is viewed on entertainment. I, the, the players entertain me. I talk about the, the, the games that I watch, about the, what the players are doing on the court or the field or whatever uh, sport they play. So I get it. But once again, there are things bigger than sports, and I would not knock a player that doesn't play and says, hey, what's going on in my community is way more important than playing basketball. But what I would challenge every single player that says that and that doesn't play now, don't come back in December. This ain't going to be over. Like I mentioned before, Rosa Parks didn't get up out of her seat, and I don't blame her. Her feet were tired. She was tired. She had worked a long day. I don't blame her one bit for not getting up out of her seat. That was 1955. I didn't go back and look at any other history. I, I start right there. But you know what? There has been history on our, in our country of this injustice and people that, are, that have been tired of just being tired of being told to move and been, being told what to do and being treated uh, wrongly. So yeah, 1955, Martin Luther King died in 68, 13 years. Of course, we can go longer and say, oh, further back to see where people started fighting uh, systematic racism and trying to uh, start the civil rights movement. 13 years, guys. I, I don't believe, I 100% do not believe, this is going to be it, that by what happened now and by the and by December when the NBA returns for the upcoming season, the 2020-2021 season, that things are going to be resolved. No, this is a generational thing, baby. This will take a long time to fix. So I challenge you. I challenge every single player. Kyrie Irving, I know you weren't the only one that spoke up. No, Dwight Howard spoke up. I know Steven Jackson, who's not playing, who spoke up. Well, honestly, Steven Jackson has been doing a lot, a lot of good right now for our communities and our country. But I would challenge you. If you're going to be a player that says, hey, uh, basketball's not important. I'm not going to return to Orlando. Are you going to return in December? Are you going to say, oh, I'm going to go back at the All-Star break? I'm going to come back next season. I'll take a season off. I'm going to come back next season. Are you willing to risk it all? Because I know what you said. I know what, what, what risk it all means. But I know a lot of players, they don't know exactly what risk it all means. It could be a product of our environment and our culture now as Americans. I'm not sure what it is. But what one person recently told me, and well, 
that's their opinion. I won't hop on, on this train. But they said they don't think that Kyrie Irving knows how to handle life without basketball. Almost like he needs basketball. I don't know. I won't say that I won't hop on that train. Or I won't say that I will never get on that train. But what I will say is this. If a player decides to not go to Orlando because they feel like it's wrong to go to Orlando and resume the season based off what's going on here in our communities, great, good for you. But I don't believe the fight's going to end this quickly. They'll say that the season ends in October, that they'll be able to go back and play in December because things would be back to normal, or excuse me, not back to normal, back to the way, or not back to the way, they will be the way they should be. Sorry, I'm all over the place. They will be the way they should be, and there will be no racism. Racism is generational. It's a generational problem. I don't think it'll end that way. So to every single player out there that goes out and says, hey, I'm going to not go to Orlando because of what's going on in our country and the social issues, great. But put your money where your mouth is. Devote your life to it. Because ultimately, that's what people need right now in our country. Leadership that is devoted to ending this thing. The summer of 98. Oh, my bad. Wrong title. Wrong, wrong title. The correct title is Long Gone Summer. And you know, leading up to the release and ESPN putting this on television, I kept thinking this 30 for 30 was called The Summer of 98 because I think of Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, home run race, where one, Mark McGuire is literally on the field at first base playing and he hears a buzz about what Sammy Sosa did and how Sammy Sosa hit 66 home runs. That's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about, wow, this summer was amazing. No, not the summer of 98. They titled it Long Gone Summer. But this documentary was amazing. Before I get too deep into this, I'm going to go one avenue today for this portion of this episode. But come back Thursday, myself and Cody Gwynn will be going over this 30 for 30, and you don't want to miss it. But this 30 for 30, like I mentioned at the, at the beginning of this show, man, this took me back all the way back to my childhood. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. Swing, I know it wasn't his type of show or his show, but man, have we ever seen a more beautiful swing than Ken Griffey Jr.? I mean, just just one swift motion. I mean, that man, that he swings, bats on the ground, balls out of the park. And I'm like, hey, bro, where you get that from? Share some of that with Jay. Like I said earlier, with the cat that helped Reggie Bush with giving him some money. Hey, share some of that with Jay. Jay wants some of that smoothness. Jay wants to know how to move like that. Because, man, Ken Griffey, you make it look so good. And not everybody can do it quite like you. But this documentary... Not only took it back to my childhood, it reminded me about how much fun watching baseball was as a kid. And this could be why, as a kid, I was so excited to watch Cubs baseball. You're saying, Jay, why? Why do you care about Cubs baseball? Why did you care about Cubs baseball? Well, I knew the Cubs had Kerry Wood and the Cubs had Sammy Sosa. The rest is history. If you don't know much about Kerry Wood, and they highlighted it just a just a tad, just a tad at that time in the documentary. But man, Kerry Wood was a dog, man. Kerry Wood was a dog. I remember watching that game when he pitched 20 strike. Yes, 20 strikeouts. 
I was like, what is this man on? What What is he doing? And no, at the time, like Mark McGuire said, steroids weren't policed. It wasn't really a thing. Did I think that he was juicing? Did I think that he was on that stuff, a deer antler spray that some people use in football? I did not think he was doing anything at all. Why? It wasn't a thing. I'm a kid. Hey, K. Woods on the mound. We about to win. That's literally what I, my thought was. As a kid, you couldn't tell me that different. Why? Because I loved me some Kerry Wood. You know what else I loved? Sammy Sosa. Sammy, say it ain't Sosa. Because you know what? Beginning of that game, he runs out to right field with the dead sprint. With the dead sprint. And man, the charisma that he talked about, he displayed that on the field. You could literally tell that Sammy Sosa was having so much fun out there playing a child's game. That's what it is. I mean, we all played baseball growing up or Little League Baseball or, or we, some people may have played uh, games with their friends, a Sandlot style of baseball. Hey, it's a child's game and he's having as much fun then as he did as a kid. And there was a cat, not just on the Cubs, there was a cat on the Cardinals named Mark McGuire. We all know Mark McGuire. We all saw what he did with the ace. We all saw how his career progressed. We all saw how he actually admitted to doing steroids. And how it's an uncomfortable conversation, but you have to admit at the time he did it, I had no problem with him doing that. I actually look at him better for admitting his wrongdoing at that time. We even see him now as a as a hitting coach there for the Padres in their in their farm system. But Mark McGuire was that dude. You knew that when Mark McGuire was up to bat, you knew if your pitcher didn't bring the right stuff, that ball may get up out of the park very very quickly. A short swing, but a swing that had so 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 much power. Beautiful to watch. Fun to watch. In that time period, chicks dig the long ball. That was kind of the saying. They didn't really say it here on the documentary, but I remember as a kid, everybody, if you had that shirt, man, look, you already knew. You get in that diamond, you hit your home run. There may be a girl, if you have to play a little league, that has her eyes on you. Hey, ma, look at that boy. Hey, he, I like him. Why? He hit the ball out the park. And that's how things were viewed back at that time. Hey, have you hit a long ball? If you hit a long one out of the park, hey, the eyes were going to be on you. And people will come to you and swarm you and say, hey, man, good hit. Sir, I went one for five. <laughs> yes, I understand that. Good hit. Sir, I literally went one for five and I struck out the other four times. Yes, I understand that. But <laughs> good hit. So you, you, you're going to erase the other four at-bats that are precious to be and just focus on the one at-bat? Yeah, we're human. We can forsake the bad sometimes to, to focus on the good. That's exactly how things were. And that's how things were at that time. The one downfall, the one thing that I wished Sammy Sosa would have done, and they didn't really talk about it much here. I watched the 30 for 30 um, Sunday, either Sunday or Saturday. I forget where I was. But I watched the 30 for 30 um, where Jeremy Schaap was interviewing Sammy Sosa, and Sammy Sosa, even at that time, he was still under the assumption, under the belief that he never tested positive, but never would admit that he took steroids. I think, hey, Sammy, it's okay. I, I get it. We all know you did it, man. We all know you did it. There's a reason why you're not in the Hall of Fame. There's a reason why the Cubs will not associate you with their program, and I mean, with their franchise. And that's, that's just weird, man. 
That is just weird. I didn't realize it, it had been, what, 10 years since the Cubs and Sammy Sosa have had anything to do with each other, even to invite him to Wrigley Field, the place that he, like I mentioned, sprinted to right field, the place that he hit so many home runs. You could say, Jay, he went from 36 to 66 home runs in one season. Doesn't that say a lot? Yeah, it does. I mean, he won't admit it. We all somewhat know what he did. But, hey, look, guys, we understand it. But for some reason in baseball, baseball has their own rules. And one of their rules is this. If you cheat, if you do us wrong, Pete Rose, if you do us wrong, Barry Bonds, if you do us wrong, Mark McGuire, if you do us wrong, Alex Rodriguez, if you do us wrong, Sammy Sosa, we want to have nothing to do with you. But, oh, let me remind you now, Pete Rose ain't in the Hall of Fame, but he can sure broadcast. He can sure do a, a pregame and postgame show during the World Series. A-Rod, I don't believe he's in the Hall of Fame, but you know what? He can sure talk about baseball on television. Oh, oh, Mark McGuire, he's not in the Hall of Fame, but he can sure coach, be a coach, be a coach here in our league. It's a double standard, guys. If you provide something for us at that time, great. But we're not going to acknowledge you for the great things you did during your career. I don't like it. You don't like it. None of us like it. But hey, that's the way their cookie crumbles. And it brings and it makes a lot of us scratch our heads and wonder, how in the world did y'all come to this conclusion? This 30 for 30 was a great capping of the, the documentary series that ESPN had put on Five, the five, do, the five series of the uh, ten part docu series. Excuse me, the Last Dance, the the uh, two week one with Lance Armstrong, the one week one with Bruce Lee, and then ultimately this one this past Sunday, Long Gone Summer. I got it right that time, guys. I got it right that time. Long Gone Summer. Let's do some more of these. I know we've heard rumblings of a Tom Brady documentary, of a Magic Johnson docu series. Let's do some more of this. Let's do some more. I mean, if y'all want to have um, documentaries in the summer or documentaries now when there's a down period, let's make... I know this this wasn't predicted. COVID-19 madness was not predicted, but it's here. Hey, let's start working on more documentaries because as sports fans, these are things that we love. Reliving our past. Let's go away from baseball documentary to a cat that's going to be a sophomore in high school. A cat that last year, he was 6'1", 165 pounds. A cat that's now 6'3", 190 pounds. Might I remind you, he is going to be a sophomore in high school. A cat that goes by the name of Arch Manning. If you haven't heard his name, I would love for you to go to the YouTube. Type in Arch Manning and just look at his highlights. That's all I'll tell you, because I was texting some of my buddies, one of them, Bryant Ricks, who was here on the podcast, ooh, maybe four or five months ago, and let me tell you, Bryant played quarterback in high school, and Bryant told me, and like he would tell you, he wasn't making throws like Arch as a freshman, as a freshman at Isidore, Isidore Newman School, the same school that his daddy Cooper went to, his, his, uh, his uncles Eli and Peyton went to, and as some of you know, I love high school sports, high school football, high school basketball. During football and basketball season, you will find me there football once a week. We know we only play once a week. Basketball season, multiple games a week. It does not matter. That is my time of year. So I heard about Arch Manning last football season because, well, he was doing big things down there in New Orleans. But what I did not though, he would hit this growth spurt and he would put on 20, 25 pounds in the offseason go from 165 to 190 and he has already got interest no offers yet but interest from Ole Miss the school that his 
uncle, the school that his daddy, and the same school that his brother probably would have gone to if his brother didn't suffer a spinal stenosis injury that ended his playing career. He also has interest from Duke, from Georgia, from LSU, and from Tennessee. And I guess, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there will be a lot more schools that will show interest that may even offer him, offer Arch Manning, that is, before his sophomore season. Up two inches, got gained two inches in height, up 25 pounds, and I can't wait to see what Arch Manning does this season. I'm sitting there on Saturday afternoon watching some of his highlights. He's on the YouTube watching his highlights, and I'm like, hold on. He, he's a freshman? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There are guys in the NFL that cancel the ball to the pylon with that type of touch. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. There are cats in the NFL that can't throw that seam route with the same type of touch and the quarterback and receiver being on the same page. There are cats in the NFL that can't do what he's doing at their level. Now, granted, I say at their level because, yes, he's in high school. Yes, he's advanced. People have said, hey, he is being coached by legends. But yes, he's being coached by legends, but you know what? Being coached by a legend and applying that and putting that to your game are two different things. I give this young man props because not only is he being coached by his granddaddy, Archie, his uncles, Peyton and Eli, his, his brother, Cooper, who was a receiver, who Peyton ended up wearing Cooper's number once he got to the NFL. And Cooper would have been a great man. If Cooper never had this injury, I have heard great things about Cooper and said, hey, man, Cooper would have been possibly better than Eli, better than Peyton, or as good as them because he was that good as of our receiver when he was playing football. But, man, Arch Manning, keep your eyes on him it sure seems like the sky's the limit I don't remember a high school prospect a high school football prospect being this sought after this early on and I, I'm not I follow some recruiting I could normally know who the big name guys are and the big guys are and who is who is going to be the next big thing but when I think about a cat like an Arch Manning I remember back when I was in high school there's a cat by the name of LeBron James that was that dude a guy that when you saw him on the basketball court, when you saw him out around, he was that dude. A guy that was selling out 19,000, 20,000 seat arenas because people wanted to flock to see him play. He was that dude. And I honestly think, I'm not saying Arch Manning is to LeBron James level now as a sophomore, but hey, if he stays on this trajectory and the school keeps helping him and coaching him up the right way, and he keeps applying the coaching of an Archie, of a Peyton, of an Eli, and a Cooper to his game, hey, the sky can be the limit. I'm not going on, a, on the out on the land and going to give you a dogmatic statement and saying, hey, uh, Arch, a sophomore in high school is going to be a Hall of Famer. Guys, that'd be dumb of me. Very, very dumb. There are guys out there that say, make those statements. I'm not one of them, but Arch Manning, keep your eyes on him. If, if there's someone from ESPN listening, I don't know, or some of these networks that broadcast, nationally broadcast high school games, I sure hope somebody out there finds a way to get Arch Manning on the television, either if you, either if you have to watch it on Twitter, or if you have to watch it on YouTube, or if you have to watch it on ESPNU, or some outlet there. Put that man on national television, maybe not now, maybe his, sophomore, his junior or senior year, but man, if he keeps getting better and better and better and better and better, he will be fun, very fun to watch. Keep your eyes on Arch Manning. Ha, things are going to get a lot better for this young man. Thank you for listening to the episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. If you're not on Twitter and you would love to connect with the podcast, send your emails to jstevenspod 
at gmail.com. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that search for new podcasts to listen to to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode number one, be sure to people know about the podcast. This has been episode 103 of the JC Podcast. I'll see you next time.